0: Sky in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Murder Chronicles. I'm your host, Carolyn Osorio. Hello, Murder Chronicles Nation. This week, we've got something spookily special for you. In honor of my favorite holiday, All Hallows' Eve, a twisted, heart-thumping tale by the brilliant and very tortured mind of Edgar Allan Poe, whose own death in October of 1849 at the age of 40 still remains a mystery of exactly how he was found disheveled and delirious, some say not even wearing his own clothes, at a tavern in Baltimore, Maryland. Poe was taken to the hospital, where he was supposedly treated for intoxication, but why was he sequestered? And the cause of his death, four days later, would be listed as undetermined. There was no explanation of where he'd come from and exactly what he died of. Of course, there were theories and rumors, ranging from suicide, cholera syphilis, even that he was a victim of something called cooping, which is where random citizens were kidnapped off the street and forced to vote multiple times for a candidate who had paid, quote, cooping gangs to hold these victims in a room and force alcohol on them to get them to comply, which is why the clothing that Poe was wearing was important because apparently he was shabbily dressed and that was out of character for him, which is interesting because cooping victims were often wearing different clothes so that when they went in to vote multiple times, it would fool voting officials. But there were also those who believed that Edgar Allan Poe was murdered. The motive for murder? Well, that's a bit murky. Just like the circumstances in Edgar Allan Poe's famous story, The Telltale Heart. One thing before we get started. The grandfather of gothic horror begins this story with a narrator who is already in a conversation with someone. We don't know the gender of the narrator or who they are speaking with. But from the start, the narrator wants to be clear. murdered someone, but they're not crazy. So without further ado, we begin our story. True. Nervous. Very, very nervous I had been, and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and earth. I heard many things in hell how then am i mad hearken and observe how healthily how calmly i can tell you the whole story it is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain but once conceived it haunted me day and night object there was none passion there was none i loved the old man he had never wronged me he had never given me insult For his gold, I had no desire, I think it was his eye, yes, it was this, he had the eye of a vulture, a pale blue eye, with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold, and so, by degrees, very gradually I made up my mind to take the life of this old man, and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Now, this is the point. You fancy me mad. Madmen know nothing. But you should have seen me. You should see how wisely I proceeded. With what caution. With what foresight. With what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the whole week before I killed him. And every night, about midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it. Oh, so gently. And then, when I had made an opening sufficient for my head, I put in a dark lantern, all closed, closed, so that no light shone out. And then, I thrust in my head. Oh, you would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust it in. I moved it slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening, so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. (laughs) Ha! Would a madman have been so wise as this? And then, when my head was well in the room, I undid the lantern cautiously, oh, so cautiously, for the hinges creaked. And I undid it just so much that a single thin ray "'Fell upon the vulture eye, "'and this I did for seven long nights, "'every night just at midnight. "'But I found the eye always closed, "'and so it was impossible to do the work, "'for it was not the old man who vexed me, "'but his evil eye. "'And every morning when the day broke, "'I went boldly into the chamber "'and spoke courageously to him, "'calling him by name in a hearty tone,' and inquiring how he had passed the night. (laughs) So you see, he would have been a very profound old man indeed, to suspect that every night, just at twelve, I looked in upon him while he slept. Upon the eighth night, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. A watch's minute hand moves more quickly than did mine. Never before that night had I felt the extent of my own Powers of my sagacity. I could scarcely contain my feelings of triumph to think that there I was, opening the door little by little, and he, not even to dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. (laughs) I fairly chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me, for he moved on the bed suddenly, as if startled. Now, You may think that I drew back, but no. His room was as black as pitch, with a thick darkness, for the shutters were closed, fastened through fear of robbers. And so I knew that he could not see the opening of the door, and I kept pushing it on, steadily. Steadily, I had my head in, and was about to open the lantern when my thumb slipped upon the tin fastening, and the old man sprang up in bed, crying out, "'Who's there?' I kept quite still and said nothing. For a whole hour I did not move a muscle, and in the meantime I did not hear him lie down. He was still, sitting up in bed, listening. Just as I have done, night after night, hearkening to the death watches in the wall. Presently I heard a slight groan, and I knew. It was the groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or of grief, oh no. It was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul when overcharged with awe. I knew the sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it has welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt and pitied him. Although I chuckled at heart, I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first light noise when he had turned in the bed. His fears had been ever since growing upon him. He had been trying to fancy the causeless, but could not. He had been saying to himself, It is nothing but the wind in the chimney. It is only a mouse crossing the floor. Or it is merely a cricket which has made a single chirp. Yes, has been trying to comfort himself with these suppositions, but he had found all in vain, all in vain, because death, in approaching him, Had stalked with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. And it was the mournful influence of the unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although he neither saw nor heard, to feel the presence of my head within the room. When I had waited a long time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I resolved to open a little, a very, very little crevice in the lantern. So I opened it. You cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until at length a single dim ray, like the thread of a spider, shot from out of the crevice and fell full upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all oh, a dull blue, with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person, for I had directed the ray, as if by instinct, precisely upon that damn spot. And now I have not told you that what you mistake for madness is but over-acuteness of the senses. Now, as I say, there came to my ears a low, dull, quick sound such as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well, too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It increased my fury as the beating of a drum stimulates the soldier into courage. But even yet, I refrained and kept still. I scarcely breathed. I held the lantern motionless. I tried how steadily I could maintain the ray upon the eye, meantime, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder. I say louder every moment. Do you mark me well? I have told you that I am nervous. So I and now, at the dead of the night, I'm dreadful silence of that old house. So strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror. Yet for some minutes longer, I refrained and stood still. But the beating grew louder, louder. I thought the heart must burst. And now, a new anxiety seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbor. The old man's hour had come. With a loud yell, I threw open the lantern and leapt into the room. He shrieked once. Once only, in an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. I then smiled gaily to find the deed so far done. But for many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. This, however, did not vex me. It would not be heard through the wall. At length, it ceased. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone. Stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. There was no pulsation. He was stone dead. His eye would trouble me no more. If you still think me mad, you will think so no longer. When I described the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body, the night waned and I worked hastily but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head. And the arms and the legs. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and I deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the boards so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot whatever. I had been too wary for that. A tub had caught all. <laughs> Suspicion of foul play had been aroused. Information had been lodged at the police, and they, the officers, had been deputed to search the premises. I smiled, for what had I to fear? I bade the gentlemen welcome. The shriek, I said, was my own in a dream. The old man, I mentioned, was absent in the country. I took my visitors all over the house. I bade them search, search well. I led them at length to his chamber. I showed them his treasures, secure, undisturbed. In the enthusiasm of my confidence, I brought chairs into the room and desired them here to rest from their fatigues, while I myself, in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot (laughs) beneath which reposed the corpse of the victim. The officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them. I was singularly at ease. They sat. And while I answered cheerily, they chatted of familiar things. But ere long, I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached. and I fancied a ringing in my ears. But still, they sat and still chatted. The ringing became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling. But it continued and gained definitiveness. Until at length, I... I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt I now grew very pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice. Yet the sound increased. And what could I do? It was a low, dull, quick sound? Such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I gasped for breath, and yet the officers heard it not. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about trifles, in a high key and with violent gesticulations, but the noise steadily increased. Why would they not be gone? I paced the floor, to and fro with heavy strides, as if excited to fury by the observation of the men, but the noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed. I raved. I swore. I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated it upon the boards, but the noise arose over all and continually increased. It grew louder, 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 and still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they heard not, Almighty God, no, no, they heard, they suspected. They were making a mockery of my horror, this I thought, and this I think. But anything was better than this agony, anything was more tolerable than this derision. I could bear those hypocritical smiles no longer. I felt that I must scream or die. And now, again, hark, louder, louder, louder. Villains, I shrieked, Dissemble no more. I admit the deed, tear up the planks here, here. It is the beating of his hideous heart. And that's Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Up next, my producer Brandon Morgan and I will discuss the story in our bonus episode. You're not going to want to miss this one because we're going to share some exciting news about the future of the Murder Chronicles. And as always, thanks for listening.
1: Happy Halloween, everyone. This is my favorite poem by Edgar Allan Poe. It's called Annabelle Lee." It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of annabelle lee and this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me i was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea but we loved with a love that was more than love i and my annabelle lee with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her highborn kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason. As all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above, nor the demons down under the sea, can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee for the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee and the stars never rise but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee and so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling my darling my life and my bride in her sepulcher there by the sea in her tomb by the sounding sea
0: The Murder Chronicles is a Pie in the Sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.